guys, welcome to the. I'm the Black Muslim Girl. Welcome back to the TVMG podcast. Yay! My name is Khadija B, and I've got sitting with me. That's deeper than usual. I should hmm. me. Yeah. How are you guys? It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, it has been. How is everybody doing? Knackered. Well, that's what I asked. So. It, I know. know I, I realized. <laughs> <laughs> I realized. I realized. I realized. Sorry. Like I asked the question. Do you want to answer it, maybe? I said I'm absolutely knackered. Knackered, mate. Um, I'm burnt out. That's what I'll say. I was burnt out, man. I'm yeah, tired. The right word. Yeah. I think knackered and burnt out go hand in hand. I am absolutely. I'm just over it. <laughs> what exactly I'm over? I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I feel like that meme. I've got nothing left, Ian. I've got nothing left, Phil. That's yeah, I'm literally. I'm, literally <laughs> I'm, I'm just so over it. I like I said, I don't know exactly what I'm over, but I'm absolutely uh, over it. And I just need, I need to get the ASAP because. <laughs> oh, I just can't do it. I think I need a holiday. I genuinely Same. need a holiday. I really want to go to Turkey or somewhere um, close by, but for the Corona Police start showing you can't do it. You know what? People can't talk because people have been gallivanting around the world since they opened up borders, so no one can talk. Like honestly, I saw someone tweet about how. She was like, oh, like, I'll, no one should be going to, like, Nigeria or Ghana this December and be doing Detty December. Like, we can't go and spread coronavirus there, da 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 da, da. Then I see the girl in, in Greece on Instagram. <laughs> so I was like, so why are, you ch- why are you chatting rubbish? Like, you can't be saying people shouldn't travel and then you're busy travelling yourself. You're, you're out there infecting the Greeks. You know what? I totally get it, but... I can't even blame the people for roaming, like, because I genuinely yeah. feel like it's not done yeah. correctly and the government just played their part from the jump, then nobody would actually be roaming. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a case where we feel like people are roaming or whatever it is, but because it wasn't done efficiently and correctly, we're now in this situation and we do actually need to take into consideration how mentally draining this whole situation has actually been. Like, even like the first lockdown, survival rates went sky rocketing, literally. So it's like, in as much as, yeah, we want people to stay safe and all of this kind of stuff, I actually do not like, not that I agree with the people that are traveling or whatever it is, but I, I understand. Do you get what I mean? Because it has been absolutely draining. Like, I feel like I'm on the brink of an absolute... I don't even think if this... Hmm, this one is not even a mental breakdown. This is a a mental dilapidated breakdown. It's just the choice of words that gets me dilapidated. Yes. Yes. That is exactly what is coming. And... Seriously, it's just, ah, oh, oh, alhamdulillah, it's overwhelming. So I do understand why people are really getting the mm ASAP. Okay, so uh, my question is to you guys, yeah, where do we draw the line with keeping safe, but at the same time prioritising our mental health and, and keeping sane? So how do we keep safe, but also keep sane? Because it's hard. I've approached it in a way where... I'm going to allow myself the little luxuries that I can, but I'm also going to be mm. sensible about it in the sense that I've not really met, like I've, I've met with friends and stuff, 
but we've met it's not like I'll meet like so many people in one week kind of thing because I see on Instagram people meeting in big groups people meeting like big group today tomorrow the next day for me it's like okay I'll see one friend this week I'll see another friend the next week I'll see like and also because I spent most of I've spent most of my time back home in Cambridge I've spent most of the time away from everybody so I've been I've been very very isolated so in a way that it's been good for my health, obviously, because I've, I've I've put myself at less risk of infection. But then also it's kind of been got to a point where it's like, OK, I need I need other company other than my family. Love them. Absolutely love them. Don't get me wrong. But you need to see other people. So for me, it's kind of it's kind of like trying to balance the luxuries with being safe as well. So, you know, keep your mask on. I think that's the ultimate thing. Just keep your mask on and be sensible like you won't catch me you won't I mean not that I was ever going to go to club but for example I don't know why people are going to clubs or big um gatherings or anything of the sort at this point but I think everything in moderation and yeah I don't I don't I know I've I know I've made a few comments about people traveling but I think it just comes from a place of I want to also be traveling (laughs) like that is it so (laughs) I don't know I think (laughs) it literally is coming from that place I personally I don't I don't I feel like the 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 airline industry and all of that have put a lot of measures in place to avoid people to to lower the risk of infection whilst traveling but I think it's also down to you as an individual like when you get to that location what are you doing and how are you acting in a way that's going to not put anybody else at risk and put yourself at risk and then when you come back because that's another issue a lot of people are coming back from these from abroad but they're not doing the whole 14 days quarantine and I know that's stressful but if you're going to go and travel you need to come mm. you need to do that 14 day is it 14 day or seven day I don't even know anymore but you need to come back and, and and do your quarantine so I don't know it's a difficult one I really like you were saying Khadija like I'm not get where everyone is coming from at this rate because we've been in this like it's October it is October we start we went into lockdown in March that is what that's seven months this isn't normal so I can I can get people's frustrations and like you said I think it is mainly down to government failure like they don't even understand what's going on Boris is busy mixing up his facts and his figures he doesn't understand the rules as he makes them he makes them up as he goes along no one understands this tiered system. Apparently, my area is tier two, but I didn't know I was in tier two. <laughs> no, no one told me I was in tier two. <laughs> I knew London was in tier two. Everyone knew London was in tier two, but the other day my sister's like, "Yeah, we're in tier two. I was like, "Well, surely this kind of thing should pop up on your damn phone." Oh, wow. Let me see what like, I'm in. What is going on? Yeah, I'm tier two apparently, but apparently it's not even. You know how like you would expect it to be low, medium, high? No. Tier one is high. No, tier one is is medium. Tier two is high. And then tier three is very high. What kind of system is that? Oh, they're done. Um, we're, we're in a limbo <laughs> in terms of the tiers. We're in a no, limbo. No, literally, my town is in a limbo in terms of whether they should be tier one or tier two. Oh, <laughs> exactly. I'm just, like, I'm actually, like, you know what? Like, I get everyone's, like, I get why some people are, are out here being a bit crazy because it, it, it's exhausting it it's exhausting but bro i don't know what they're in they're just making it up they are they are they are and it's just it's really sad like i was looking at um i don't know if you guys know but like sweden kind of never did any type of lockdown they just like left it as it was they were like you know, i think they were trying that whole herd immunity thing i mean okay to be fair sweden has a much less smaller population than us but I was looking and they've only had like 5,000, I say only, it's still sad, obviously. They've only, they've had 5,000 um, people die, but then like 7,000 infections, no, some, some ridiculous, like smaller, when you compare it to ours, it's just ridiculous as to how their infection rates are so much lower. And then you look at somewhere like New Zealand, obviously, again, I knew New Zealand's an island by itself, all the way in the other side of the world, but still 25 deaths. Yeah, that's crazy. Did you see the picture as well about how they were allowed to go out, no masks, no nothing, because they're all... That's what they did in the first lockdown. That's the whole point of the first lockdown. It's meant to put everything at a halt Mm. to give services the time to actually plan and mitigate what is actually going on. And also with Sweden, yeah, okay, cool. Someone might say, oh, the population is much smaller, but 
even though they were tra- the fingers yeah. of herd immunity it's not just oh let's just have loads of people roaming around and then everyone builds like this immunity it doesn't work like that with sweden they had support and even outside of covid they get a lot of support they might pay a lot more taxes and it might come out a lot more in their paychecks but it actually goes yeah. towards public services so when they're being told okay cool okay. this is the situation we're in they know that their childcare is getting covered they know that a percentage of their income is going to um go back to them uh, and it's going to support them anyway because that's the kind of system that they have here it's like oh yeah you know most of the industries here are quite service based they've been affected go fend for yourself mm-hmm. oh actually wait let's put a furlough mm-hmm. scheme oh actually wait 50% off for this month go into the restaurants oh no why were you guys all hanging around the restaurants and spreading it of course you have an infection so make sure you're listening now oh but you're unemployed sure you have to prove that for six weeks but in the meantime maybe go and check out a food bank oh wait we haven't supported the food banks so there's no food oh you're starving you yeah. have to prove that in six months time don't do you see what i mean don't forget that oh no we're not going to feed, feed the school kids they can starve to death oh because yeah. you shouldn't have had yeah. so many kids it's not your problem what yeah. so what what's my taxpayer that money one. going towards I, I, like, I don't understand this government's like it's like do you hate people like that's what I just want to understand. Like, do you hate people? Because it does. I I cannot begin to comprehend how it took a footballer to come and tell you, Mister Prime Minister, that you need to be sorting out school kids food for school kids over the holidays. He and then no anyway. you you decide that oh he said no pardon? anyway. He rejected the plea. Well, yeah, for the yeah the first time he said he said no the first time, didn't he? And then he went. Then he said yes, and then now he said yeah, no again. Please, I, I just footballer campaigning for this stuff. Like it's an actual footballer advocating for, the, like it, I think that's just crazy to me. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be doing it. Well, no, to be honest, he shouldn't be doing it because we should yeah. have a system in place that wouldn't need anyone to be advocating for it to begin with, but. It's the fact that it's an actual footballer that's actually doing this work. So it's like all of you sitting in the bloody House of Parliament and House of Commons or whatever it is that you're sitting in, that you've got a bloody bar in, bloody hell. Anyways, what are you actually getting paid for? Because you've got a bloody footballer doing your job. And they got a pay rise as well. 3,300. This country has a bondage of um... suffering. Because even when that... Even when that came out, there were poor working class families that were saying oh it's not you should be able to feed your child don't have any children you put them into this world you take care of them and I'm thinking do you not actually understand what your taxes are supposed to do when it comes to funding public health do you actually understand the concept of having a government they're supposed to be serving you and I feel like this country this country's history um with suffering is just mad because like once upon a time in this country, like people were eating from rubbish tips and they still voted in a government that continued that. Not just once, not twice, but three times. And I also do think that him not being white also plays into it because I don't think the response would have been the way it was from the public after that rejection. I think it bothers them that a footballer has it in them. And I and I also it also got me thinking about footballers in general. Like, you know, when you grow up, when you were growing up, like people used to say things like, oh, why do footballers get paid way more than nurses? But then like, as yeah. I've grown up, I was like, actually, why does everyone have that energy towards footballers, but not other sports that generate even more money? And then it made me realize like football is one of the few sports in this country where a working class person can be scouted for their talent. I can actually make it in comparison to like, think about golf. Do you think? Any random kid in like, I don't know, East London, North London can be scouted on the spot and, you know, end up being a professional golf player just like that in the same way as football. Not really, because you wouldn't afford to even be there in the first place. And I realised like there's a lot of energy towards footballers because a lot of them, including the Englishmen, a lot of them do come from working class backgrounds so they get a lot more stick because it's like oh but look at these guys with all this new money why are you not angry at them and it's like well actually what about the billionaires in this country that have unearned wealth that is widening the inequality gap in this country where's the energy for that 
So I think that's that's also adding fuel to the fire with Rashford's proposal with the free school meals being extended. I feel like it's a mixture of all of that and it just highlights how this country views class and money. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, the podcast that I always listen to and I shamelessly plug. Episode that I was listening to was actually with an ex-football player who now owns a multi-million pound company you like you've probably probably seen him on insta on twitter i think his name is reese wabara um i don't agree with the stuff that he tweets he's basically saying how they were basically discussing how as a footballer it's very hard to kind of come out and do and do other things because everyone just wants to focus on football and football alone and that's why my point about marcus um, when I said it's very surprising that he's doing it is because it, even from a football perspective, it must be very, very, very hard for him because this Reese guy was basically saying that once you enter the football world, they just want you to live in that football box and that's it, nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else is your business. You don't need to worry about anything else other than football, which makes a lot of sense because when you go on to like research footballers and all of this kind of stuff, in comparison to uh, probably other sport athletes, you don't really see them do anything else other than football. You know, like you don't really, you don't really even get to know like what they like or what they're like as a person. Or it's literally just football. Football, 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 and then the odd one or two that's literally all you get, but it doesn't go. <laughs> I'm fine, one or two cheating tabloids because that's all it is, but it doesn't go out of that football, um, that football, that football world. So it would be really interesting to actually find out how Marcus, as a very prominent football player within our time now, how actually yeah. handles it because this Reese guy was basically saying when he wanted to start his fashion brand a lot of people were against it like why are you focusing on fashion just do football like you have no business in fashion and he ended up leaving um football to pursue fashion but mm. it's just very interesting how football kind of builds their character their personalities, like, and, and just who they are as individuals. So I think it's very courageous of him to be so on the forefront of it. Do you get what I mean? Because I'm pretty sure he's getting a lot of backlash. And not oh, just because yeah. he's, not just because he's black, but because he's a footballer as well. I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he's hooligans, is what they're called. Definitely down in it in his, in his DMs. Free school mills got nothing to do with you, mate. Focus on getting that ball in the net, yeah. Mind your business. Yeah. I ain't got nothing to do with you. Stop focusing on getting on your yeah, 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 yeah. And I bet you, make let him make one mistake, yeah. You're going to see a bloody news article. Marcus Rashford focusing on school free meals, hence why he missed the goal. You're gonna see something stupid, like something he was really, really of man stupid. of the match or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, oh, he wanted to be political, so just decided to starve himself like the kids and now he's mar- like you're gonna see something really stupid on the net. But I do think like it's really interesting how these political puppets literally have a whole black football player doing their role and it it, it just kind of shows you the state of the country that we're living in and for the for the little puppet the little puppet muppet yellow head mop head called Johnson, <laughs> for him to turn around and say no I don't know how I feel about that I feel like it's very much even though this is politics and they're all playing a dirty game, I do feel like it says a lot about him as an individual as well. Because how do you turn around and say well, no to something yeah. like that? I think it Well, the guy also has seven people. or eight kids and he doesn't claim all yeah. of them. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anything less, really. Anything more, like, he's just... The thing is, as well, with these types of politicians, like, the more and more... You, the thing is, they live in a bubble. They live in an absolute bubble that we just don't fully understand. Because when you, because what it is is these politicians, they've grown up together. Yeah. They're people that have, you know, gone to the same schools, gone to the same universities. Like they, they've grown up together. So when you live in these 
you know, bubbles and you have no interaction with the outside world and with people of different backgrounds, different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, different races, all of this, like you're going to be very warped in your own view. I mean, I don't understand how, the thing is though, at the same time, like this country says democracy, 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 and we've, we, we, not me, I did not vote them in, but we as a, as a nation, we voted them in. So really like, I almost feel like, okay, (laughs) kind of brought it on ourselves, but it's like, I also don't understand when the majority of the country doesn't reflect what is in the parliament. Why do we still keep voting these people in? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. I want to understand why people are so hooked on the Conservative Party, the Boris himself. Like It just doesn't make sense. I think it's a number of things. I don't get it. I feel like, and it goes back to the history of this country, And it also comes down to the lack of education in history in particular. This country hasn't actually addressed in its full capacity how much has contributed to a lot of events that have happened so far in time. I feel like the history of this country is very much swept under the rug. Like even when you think about things like slavery, people automatically think America. But then it's like, well, actually, Britain was facilitating a lot of those a lot of the trading, a lot of the weapons, a lot of the torture methods, everything. Like, it doesn't hit some people in this country that this, that the UK literally conquered a quarter of the world at some point. And until this country is ready to ex- understand and accept the truth about their history, I don't think it's going to shift anytime soon. Because they're looking at it like, oh, look at all these, you know, black people and Asian people coming into these cities and swarming the cities. But it's like, you guys moved away from the cities to the more quiet areas because you couldn't stand having a black neighbor next to you while you were going to work. You guys ran away from it and now you want to come back and gentrify it. You guys can't stand the fact that there is a a skill shortage in this country that needs to be filled. And rather than being angry at the system that educates your kids, you want to be angry at the foreigner that meets the qualification required for that job. It's like, how how can someone take your job from you if it was never offered to you in the first place? And you didn't even know about it. Like, that whole concept itself is so strange. And I don't think they understand the politics in the system. Like, these governments are meant to serve you. They, they are, the money that you're paying in tax is supposed to come back to you and the public services. And also, like, this country went through a shift of having, like, extended families to more nucleus-structured families to now very individualist mentalities. And that's why you've got people saying, oh, why should my money go towards feeding a child that I don't know? Maybe the parents should work harder. But it's like, well, you're two paychecks away from homelessness. So that situation can happen to you too. So why do you have a problem with someone being able to feed their child or pay for a a bill in the house from your tax money? Like, it's so strange. And I think for us, it's also strange because we're also Muslim. Like, when we think about the five pillars of Islam, and we think about zakat, if you really look at it, it's not just charity. It's literally wealth distribution. Islam is a very communal religion. So for us, it's very normal to follow a way of life where distributing a portion of your income is normal. And we're living in a country where that's not normal. And people are not que- people are questioning why their taxes is funding someone else's education or their taxes is funding someone's you know hospital session but they're not questioning why a portion of their tax money is funding wars that they're not even involved in i've got a question and basically so as let's let's kind of think of this from now like an islamic perspective yeah so well, how do you guys feel about Hijra, like making Hijra and moving to another country for the benefit of your well, for the benefit of your well-being, of course, and for the benefit of your deen and all of that kind of stuff? I know we've kind of had this conversation briefly before, where we, but yeah. I think we touch upon it more on like a personal career type level but from a islamic point of view because i was speaking to i was having a discussion with someone about this and this was basically the question that they asked me you know and they were like how their generation a lot of them are 
kind of going towards the mindset of setting up things back home, being able to like build homes back home or whatever it is. So they can move back home and they can take their kids back home or they can take their kids to Saudi or they can take their kids to Egypt or whatever it is that they feel is a safer option than the UK. But as a younger generation, because the brother that I was speaking to, I think he's like, I don't think he is in his 30s. I'd say like 35 plus. Yeah, because I'm just trying to gauge it, like the generations. But yeah, so yeah. would you? how do you feel about that? Like, and what's your thoughts on, on that? Especially when we're looking at it from, if we had to make judgment based on the government that we have now, it's not going to get any easier. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you guys kind of feel about that? What's your thoughts on that? About moving to a... Or just Islamic move, country. like, it doesn't necessarily need to be an Islamic country. It can literally be anywhere that you think is a safer option for you. Do you know what? I saw a tweet actually yesterday where someone was like, it's more likely for me to move, if I'm going to move outside of London, it's out of this country more so than anywhere else in the UK. Oh. And I was thinking about that and I was like, actually, that's probably true for me as well because I don't, I don't know if I would want, like, okay, I, I mean, I grew up outside of London, so maybe I'd come back to where I grew up. But I think, yeah, if I really think about it and about how I want to live my life as a Muslim and as a black Muslim, I do think that maybe that is something I would I would consider later on in life. I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a, because you've got the, the the practical side of it, but then there's also the personal side of it. And I, like I said before, when we had this conversation, for me, like there's also like family. Like if my family were all going to stay here, I don't know if I'd want to be mm. far away from them kind of thing. So would I then up and leave? And like I said before as well, I think the only place I would probably up and leave and be okay with it and leave my family here is probably Nigeria because... I have family there too and that's somewhere that my family always going to come back to and will always have a connection to and you know my my parents will, will will be there too as well and everything so but I think it is I think it's it is hard for our generation though to when we have when everything every part of our life is so ingrained in here this is where we've grown up where our friends are where we're building our families I think for us to then go like, I also saw another tweet where someone was like, oh, black Londoners, let's all group together and, like, find somewhere else to gentrify as a community. Because at the end of the day, you want to be around people like you. And the prob- I think sometimes the thing, with the, the thing with thinking about, like, moving is that you kind of have to start all back mm-hmm. all over again. And you do it by yourself, and I think that's quite for me having having gone and lived abroad for a little bit. And I mean, it was it was it was only for like a fraction of my life, but even just that was like quite mentally challenging. And I knew I was I knew there was an end date. But if you're going to go and do that, and you're thinking, okay, this is this is it. This is me and my family. We're going boom, boom, boom. Like it's not as easy and as glamorous as people think. It's very, 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 very mentally challenging. So. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where what our generation decides. But I think also we've done such a great job in such a short time of building some sort of community here, both as the black community, Muslim community, and as the black black Muslim community as well. I think in recent years, we've really, really um, done a lot. So I think there are cis- there are communities in place that will make things easier. But yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't, I don't know. Really the thing is, yeah, I'm one of those people where I feel like, here, better the devil you know, but mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know where to call home, if I'm going to be honest. Because it's like, even the whole concept of, oh, giving back home and building back home, it's like, when I think of Somalia, like, it's not as stable as people glorify. And then there's the whole thing of, like, oh, moving back to the homeland and building up but it's like okay but where's the line between me doing that and then me ending up gentrifying the area and putting the locals at a disadvantage and then it's like I wasn't even born there so I don't really have that much of a connection apart from the fact that it's where my family's from so then do I now go 
back to my birth country, which I don't have a connection to aside from being born there and try to build there? Or do I now try to build in London, which I don't live there at the moment? Do I settle here? I don't know. Like, I don't seem to have, I don't see home as like a physical place at this point. To be honest, because even growing up as a kid, I moved around schools so much because I was moving areas so much. So there wasn't like, literally like one specific place where I actually settled down and built a community. Also, my family are scattered all over the world. So it's like there wasn't just one set of relatives where it's like, OK, cool. These are my, you know, my main kind of thing. So and then now that I've moved out and I'm starting to settle here. I see it as a home of some kind, I guess. But then it's like, and I was I was um, talking about this with my other friends, and I personally don't see myself settling down anywhere permanent on a permanent basis anytime soon, unless it gets to the point where I'm building a family, which I'm not. So right now, I just see it as like I wouldn't actually mind upping and leaving. But then that's just me as an individual. I don't know what that's going to look like later on down the line. And when we look at it from an Islamic point of view, it's like, yeah, Islamically, yeah, we should go somewhere where you can practice your deen and, you know, do it for those reasons. But then it's like, when you look at the world as a whole, that isn't even very, like, definitive anyway, because every country you go to now, there's a crisis of some kind. So it's like, where is the line drawn? Because when you're seeing Muslim countries and the relations that they have with non-Muslim countries and the affairs that they're engaging with that's affecting civilians from all backgrounds, it's like, well, we're kind of all screwed. So is it just a matter of constantly moving around to areas and places where you can thrive and feel safe? Or does it have to be like, I have to pick this one location and this is where I have to be on a more permanent basis? I'm not too sure for me. Like, I, I'm thinking, like, because of the digital age we're in, the world does feel a bit smaller, and you can build online communities with different people across the globe. So that's where I find, like, my sort of belonging, which is meant for me, like, in, mentally, mentally for me, it's like I don't have those sort of borders in terms of, like, oh... I might not feel at home because like, I can up and leave and go to, I don't know, Singapore and I'm probably going to bump into some Somalis and build a little community there. And then maybe I might up and leave and go to Turkey and find my own little bubble there, whether it's other Somalis or Muslims. I don't know. So in terms of making hijrah, I feel like I would want to do that regardless of whether it's for Islamic reasons or not, because I just feel like as black people in general, we have to think about these things no matter where we go. And for us who are part of the diaspora, like even if we're to go back home, we now also have to think, what is our relation to the locals there that have lived there their whole life? And what does us existing and working and building families, etc., going to mean for the locals there? Because a lot of us do talk about going back home and building and doing X, Y, Z. But then how do we know if that's going to benefit the people back home? All I know is that I'm happy to move somewhere where I'm appreciated and where I can build a life for myself. I think most of us, like, being... I don't, I don't know, are we first... Gen- I never know the different generations, but I'm, I'm going to say we're first generations because that's how I understand mm-hmm. it. But I think for most of us as first-generation kids in this country, I think we've kind of always grown up with, with the with the knowledge back in the back of our minds that there's going to be a point where our parents are probably going to leave this country mm-hmm. because I don't think they even envision themselves staying for as well at least the conversations I've had with my mum she definitely didn't envision envisage herself like staying for as long as she's done yeah. but you know that's just the way it is and but even but it's interesting because like she came here at 15 and she's still very much rooted in Nigeria like you know she feels very Nigerian and all that and the other even though she's been here for like four almost 40 years or 40 more 40 40 years anyways but but even with her she's like yeah like she's not sure she could fully 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 move back though because she probably do like once my sister my youngest sister probably like moves out like goes to uni and stuff she'll probably do like you know 
spending a lot of time in Nigeria, spending time here, like back and forth kind of thing, because even she has kind of, there's a, there's a different relationship that she now has there. Like it's still home and all her family's there, but you know, she's kind of, she became, she became who she is today here. But yeah, I think it will be, there's a lot to, there's a lot to digest in that. We're all in a bit of a sticky situation, to be honest. Like, there's just so many options. And like, we haven't really, like, our family settled here out of survival. They didn't come out here like, oh, yeah, I just want to pick up my bags and go somewhere new. It's like, they literally came to this country. And some of us didn't even start from ground zero. We started at like minus 100 to try and get to ground zero in one piece. And then now we're somewhat moving past the starting line and somehow stumbling our way forward. And that's sort of how I felt like growing up here, to be honest. Like I I do see the UK as a home. Like I've studied here. Every job I've ever had was here. So like I have grown and there's community and all that. But I sometimes just feel like I'm just stumbling my way forward in this country. And I feel like it's going to feel like that as a black Muslim woman, no matter where I go and for whatever reason. So it's just it's just a weird time. And then this pandemic has just kind of added another layer of uncertainty because you don't know where the world's moving at this point. So it's just a matter of just doing what fulfills you. And I think the good thing about being Muslim is that we ultimately do have a purpose beyond this world. Do you know what I mean? Like we know why we're here kind of thing. And we know that this world is a it's like it's it's equivalent to a traveler for us we know this world is not a permanent state for muslims and people in general so i think for me that gives me some sort of comfort and gives me that sort of urge to just like you know what i'm just gonna go where i feel safe in this given situation at this moment in time in my life and just take it from there i guess i don't really know what other direction i can go to be honest that's how i see the whole concept of hijra as a muslim in today's time for me there's something i wanted to ask because this is like completely going off like what we were talking about before but obviously like because you mentioned crisis and obviously i'm sure we've all seen and know what's going on in nigeria at the moment with the whole nsars and police brutality in the country and everything and it's been it's been really like what's the word uh eye-opening yeah and like really interesting seeing the way like the youth and like people have really mobilized like both on the ground and online but i stumbled across um a video on youtube yesterday basically it was tiwa savage calling out beyonce (laughs) she was calling out beyonce because beyonce hasn't said anything about end sars or end police brutality and she is saying this because obviously beyonce did the whole black is king and you know was filmed parts of it in in she filmed parts of it in Nigeria and across other places in Africa and obviously it was a very Afrocentric album and vid- like film or whatever it was but I just wanted to know what you guys think about people about people with platforms people of influence and celebrities and influencers and all of that jazz kind of speaking out on topics because and because I feel like what I've seen over the last few months with Black Lives Matter and with other things that have happened is like you get a load of people online being like so-and-so hasn't spoken about it you need to speak about it you need to speak about it and then you end up with some of these celebrities and influencers that really in my opinion obviously do not show understanding or awareness of the topic coming out and making some very silly statements and kind of shooting themselves in the foot and really not adding to the conversation is her name but um well yeah she's one of them but I just wanted to know what you guys thought because it might, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I've, I don't know if I've expressed my opinion so wholly yet, but I am just of the opinion that not everyone needs to talk about it. Like if, especially with this situation, I've been so impressed by the way Nigerians themselves like mobilized and have spoken out on the topic that I'm almost like, why are you looking to Beyonce to 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 share a to share a hashtag or to share a post. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you there, because my thing Fair is enough, this: yeah. like you said, Beyonce did a whole big Blackest King thing mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of Africans and all yeah. of this kind of stuff. 
And I, I feel like yeah. the problem that we have with a lot of Americans is that, what should I say, black celebrity in America, let me, let me rephrase yeah. that, is that yeah. Africa has become an aesthetic. So that's why I personally don't agree because if you can take your big, big private jet and your big, big dollars and all of this kind of stuff to go and do um, videos and make content and all of this to kind of glamorize Africa, which is what they're yeah. doing, then when shit hits the fan, yeah, you should be speaking up because then... because all the work that you're doing before, no one's asking you for that. Do you know what I mean? We're not asking you to glamorise Africa. We're not asking you to go to Africa and wear leopard print stuff and make it look like Nobody's <laughs> asking you for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's people in African countries that are real life struggling, but you guys continuously want to glamorise it. So when we are bringing issues that are actually quite important, like NSARS and what's going on in Congo and what's going on in Namibia and all of these kind of places, yes, time for you to speak up because the speaking up that you was doing before we didn't really ask for that anyway now is the time for you to speak up the same energy that you use to create your fancy videos is the same energy that you should be using to be posting hashtag and stars i don't think it's a it's a kind i feel like where people went wrong with the whole tia savage thing is people felt like she was kind of seeking validation from these american stars which is not the case because you lot beg it with africans you beg it with africans 24 7 it's it's literally your aesthetic you lot don't even know how many countries are in africa africa is one big plot of land to you guys bruv you don't even know the difference between nigeria and ghana on top you talk to americans and they just think oh yeah i'm going to africa where like what are you talking about i agree with that we're not yeah. we're not an aesthetic what we don't need we don't need you to kind yeah. of bring us to the forefront but then when things are actually going on all of a sudden everyone is silent because that's exactly what it does look like like you rightfully said i feel like the nigerian youth have mobilized in a way that's incredible i can't even lie to you it's 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 shocked to me like not that I didn't expect it from them, yeah. but to think that they were bold enough to do it and still do it, especially as Nigerians, and you know how respect and culture and all of this kind of stuff, you know that kind of stuff runs really, really deep within Nigerians. For them to so for them to dash all of that to the side and say, no, we're standing for our rights, I, I proper I really, really rate it. So I don't think we need any of these people, but it's just that don't glamorize Africa, yeah. don't glamorize Nigeria. Don't glamorize yeah. these countries, but when they are actually going through stuff, you're all very quiet because nobody. The thing is that we, what we need to understand is no one asked for a Black is King video. We act that like okay, wow, it's a great video, well done, well done, congratulations. As if every African country has tribal painting on the face, but okay, well done. But the point is, nobody asked for it. You willingly did that. That was your voluntary activism. Now you need to do the real activism and speak up because Black is King is not going to end SARS. So it's true though. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a matter of seeking validation thing. I think everyone, everyone that that is calling out these celebrities, I think they have their right to because all you guys, all they ever do is glamorize Africa. That is all they do. The whole lot of glamorize africa so it's like if you have that energy to glamorize africa why are you not speaking up now if if black is really king and black lives really do matter and you really are for the black people why are you so quiet i'm a bit confused as to why you're so quiet um i saw the teal savage what she was saying and i just wanted to make a point like from someone who's looking from the outside in I would uh-huh. go even further than tweeting the hashtag if I was Beyonce. I would be putting money where my mouth is exactly. and helping the youth mobilize That's because she's that, made yeah. so much money out of tapping into Africa's sound, let's say. And she did that on her own accord, like Khadija said. I wouldn't even be... Tiwa Savage is being very respectful. I don't know why people took it out of context like she was begging it she was actually making the points and it was very clear and concise what she was saying 
as someone who's looking at it from the outside, it doesn't come across like she's yeah. begging or anything. If anything, I should I would have probably encouraged her to press further because Beyonce, someone like Beyonce shouldn't be just tweeting a hashtag. She should be going even further like she has done before with other causes that she's been passionate about. And I think it's I think it speaks volumes that a lot of other artists or other people with big platforms who have benefited especially from Nigerian music artists, right, that they haven't spoken up. And the fact that people have to probe them to speak up already says a lot. And I will also say, like, watching the youth mobilise, especially on Twitter, has just been like, whoa, I've not seen such an organised sort of wave and wave of protesting in a very long time. And I'm looking at it from the outside in, like, you know, I, I've, I've seen like on the news where Nigerians have protested before, but this feels very different. It feels like a wave of solidarity and understanding on a level that I don't think I've encountered before from what I've seen online. And it's quite interesting because it feels like it's seeped through a, across all the generations, maybe not at the same level, but there seems to be a bit more of a mutual understanding and not as much tension and I think maybe that could be partly because of the pandemic and the fact that it's reflecting how the country's been the people of the country have been treated and so many people are unemployed and so many people are not being treated well that they actually do have time to mobilize and understand like guys this is affecting all of us doesn't matter what you think is safe for you right now like this this stuff needs to change and I, I feel a sense of restlessness amongst the youth which is quite refreshing to see. And we've seen it like kick off in other yeah. African nations as well. And it's quite interesting, very unexpected to an extent. But yeah, back to the whole Tia Savage thing. I feel like she was being very polite, in my opinion. I think she should have pressed for way more than just the hashtag. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's just something I just wanted to add. Basically, I think for me, the thing is, is I feel like some people get excited by someone sharing a post and that's mm. it like could he just like both of you said actually like yes with someone like Beyonce I would want to see if you're going to share if you're going to talk about it I want to see more than just hashtag NSARS and that's my thing I feel like we've beca- I feel like sometimes we as a society become and I noticed this notice notice this in the summer with Black Lives Matter people were sharing Black Square and people mm-hmm. were getting excited that's my thing I don't want people to think that oh, if someone shares a hashtag or puts a black square, or in this case, I don't know, what are they doing for this one? I don't know. A green square? I don't know. <laughs> I just, it, 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 there's more that can be, there's more that can be done. And if you are going to use your platform, use it effectively. That's my thing. I don't want empty, gestures. Um, empty, empty gestures. Yeah. And I feel like for a long time, we've kind of accepted that. And I feel like it's hard, high time now that we actually, like, we can't just sit back and be like, if you are going to share, that's the thing. But again, I I also am of the opinion that I think in someone like Beyonce's case, I yeah, I get it because she did do the whole Black is King and whatever. But I also feel like if she's not sharing, then it just shows us who she, the kind of person she is and we should just keep it moving. That's mm. my thing. Like, I'm not going to sit and be like, Beyonce, 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 share, share, share. No, if Beyonce doesn't share here here tomorrow, then we know not to support the next project that she got, does and go that goes to Africa and whatnot. So that's just, that's where I, that's where I What's this stand. other video I'm a bit, you guys um, were talking about? Yeah, what, no, the, the, the influencer girl. Oh, is that the champagne one? Basically, she... No, I think so. No, she she basically put she put a post on Instagram initially of herself riding a bike. <laughs> Sorry, as I as I see it, I just laugh. Of herself ride with a bike, and she was talking about how she loves bike riding, blah 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 blah. And then like as a afterthought at the end of the post, she's like, oh, like end SARS, and like people kind of went in on her because it was just kind of like an empty kind of post and it was like after you've busy done whatever promo it is that you're doing you're then saying end stars like an afterthought and then I think she went on to was it on her YouTube channel I don't channel, even know what it was because I just husband. saw a snippet of the video and I saw her husband yeah. talking some crap about 
Nigerian yeah. youth should stop buying Ferrari cars, stop doing this and that and that and the other. And I think what's really irritating for me, sorry to cut you off, Asha, is I'm pretty sure both of them are born in Nigeria. Um, yeah. They are. It's like, they who are. dare come from that high horse? Because now that you've what, got red passport or blue passport, whatever passport colour that you have that's no longer green, you think you can just be sitting on YouTube talking rubbish as if... You're not like, don't, oh, that really, really irritated me. That really, 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 really irritated me. Because if anything, you guys should be on the forefront of this stuff because you're one of, you're you're more one of them than I'm one of them. Do you know what I mean? Like there's going to be certain things with Nigerian youth that I'm not really going to be able to understand. I wasn't born in Nigeria. I don't live in Nigeria. I'm here to learn from you guys. But where is that? you guys literally were born in Nigeria. It's not like, like you probably lived a good couple of your years in Nigeria. So you understand. She left Nigeria at her big age, I think. I think she only came to the to America. Exactly. University. So, do you know what I mean, like, you know what yeah. you know what these people are talking about. You haven't spent three years in America and all of a sudden you don't know what SARS stands for anymore. Or all of, all of a sudden you don't know what Nigeria looks like anymore. Don't try that rubbish with me. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. So for you to even think of recording such a video because you're now away from the problem and make it seem as if you don't understand the problem, that is absolutely disgusting i think personally that is i think it says a lot about their character and the way that they actually view nigeria and the nigerian youth because once upon a time you were one of them you were in their situation but now that you're in a i'm not and i'm not going to say this because what i was going to say is now that you are in a better situation but they're not because you're in america with donald trump so whatever anyways but now they're in a situation that they think is better all of a sudden, Nigeria, you need to stop buying Lamborghini. Stop doing it. Is it your forefather that buys the Lamborghini? Are you mad? Ah, are you stupid? Well, this is the thing that this is what I was going. This goes back to what I was was trying to say at the beginning, in the sense that someone like her is like I would have rather she just kept quiet. She should have. I would have rather she just kept quiet. Because the thing is, you've now, you've now, because to me, you, I mean, not that I really engaged with her or anything. I didn't really know who she was before. I mean, I'd heard of her. But now, for me, I would never want to engage with you oh, after seeing that video in the post. So for me, it's like, I don't, if you are going to use a platform, if you are going to be an, if you are an influencer or someone with a large platform, I only want to hear from you if you're going to talk sense. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. I just have time to engage Nothing. Her and her husband were better than saying nothing because it was... I, and bearing in mind, I literally just saw, like, a, a one-minute snippet. I didn't even see the whole yeah. video. I don't even know what if if what I saw on snippet, on the snippet was even up to a minute. But it's like, wow, that's 30 seconds of dumb and dumber. The thing is, she probably said something because people were in her comments being like, "Say something." So, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not blaming people. Blaming the people that say say something, but I guess ugh, I, just, I just don't feel like you should talk if you just don't have yeah, any. Her, her replying, you guys, at the moment, I have nothing to say. Is better than the, the the crap that she came to say. And I really, one thing about influencer culture that I really, 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 really dislike is the stupid damage it's like they go and throw a bloody rock into someone's window and then they get a small plaster and then put it on top of the crack what is your apology gonna do too late now like it's too late now and a lot of the times is they wouldn't like i highly doubt she would have apologized if she never got the backlash because the, the apology came after the backlash, because she was still doing this high horse, nye, 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 nye. you guys saying stuff, me too, ha, da, 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 da. and then when she realised that she started losing followers, apparently, I think she lost like 5,000 followers within an hour, or something really? like that, all yeah. of a sudden, the apology came, but it's like, but you've already done the damage, you've already said the nonsense that you wanted to say, and it's not like, you don't know what you're saying. I mean, you recorded it, you watched it, you edited it, and you posted it, so you know what you said, you chose to press upload. Take take that accountability and don't come with no silly, silly apology. Oh, next time I will learn. At your big time, at your big ages, next time you will learn. 
Oh God. I think I think this just shows that we need to normalize being open, openly saying like, you know what, I actually don't think I know the topic well enough to make an, to say something or just just to respectfully kind of be like because obviously she doesn't she didn't know what she, she was didn't. talking about and i think and i think that's the problem with a lot of these people with 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 influence is that they speak up on things that they don't know and of, often it comes from a place of being pressured into it as well but at the same time that's your you need to go out and get yourself educated because if i was an influ- if i had a platform like that and i saw everyone talking about ends i mean actually this is that's what i did with N SARS, I didn't really know what SARS was, if I'm being honest, until, I mean, I'd heard of them and I've been seeing the hashtag over the last few years, but until this time, I really went and delved in and actually read up and was reading about it. That's the same thing you can go and do and educate and yourself. As well, what we also need to stop doing and what we need to realise is just because someone has 500k followers does not mean that they have 500k brain cells. Following does not equate to knowledge and intelligence. And I think that's where we as people always go wrong. We feel like because these people have huge platforms that they are the right people to be speaking on certain topics. But actually, no, they're not. It's kind of like the whole Black Lives Matter thing. And a lot of people are like, oh, these influencers, why are they not talking up and this, this, that? and Because they're not qualified to. They're qualified to take nice and pretty pictures. Now you want them to come and speak about big, big stuff that they probably don't even know about. Why are you giving them all of that? Why, why is there so much expectations just because they have a huge following? Yes, it would be nice for them to raise awareness. That's completely different. But for you to feel like they need to speak on it, I think that's two different things. And that's where we go wrong. Like we feel like because a certain someone has a certain amount of followers and their influences, all of a sudden they're qualified to speak on things that they don't know about. Like I said, 500k followers does not mean 500k brain, brain cells. Some people will have 500k followers and they'll have one brain cell. Where do we go from there? I just there? want to say, if the average adult does have about 500,000 brain cells, it would be quite worrying because apparently the average adult human brain has about 100 billion brain cells <laughs> and they lose. <laughs> so I think I'd be very worried. <laughs> Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised people be acting oh. like they got 500k brain cells. Yeah, I feel like a lot of influencers act like they might have just half a brain cell to share between each other in the influencer world. I don't think. I feel like all of this though has really shown who. I mean, for me, for for example, like there was this one particular follow. There was this one particular influencer. She's an um, Asian hijabi fashion beauty influencer. And I remember there was a time when someone like people called her out because she was part of this campaign that had like literally no black Muslims on it. And I remember people called her out, like being like, why didn't you speak up? And like, not just her, but some other people on the campaign. And she got really, really defensive. And she like, and I remember I, I kind of got like a sour taste in my mouth afterwards with her. And I kind of, I think I unfollowed her and whatnot. Anyways, come this summer of Black Lives Matter. And like, she complete, like she, she had educated herself. She had, she went back, she came back and she apologized about that. And she, she, she understood where she went wrong and she was, you know, speaking up on things. And even since then, I've seen her speak up and I was like, okay, this is how you redeem yourself. This is how you get back. Like you, you go out, you educate yourself you you don't put the onus on the community to do it for you and because thing is we were all going to make mistakes and wrong but she could have redeemed herself but you know she went and recorded that video with her husband and she sat there like he was some puppet master but yeah I think I think I think we just need to also remember that these people are human as well and that they are going to mistake and we we shouldn't be putting them on such a platform anyways and that's why I go back to what I was saying at the beginning where I've been like it's very impressive the way that the Nigerian youth have mobilized themselves and I think that should be the thing that is recognized and spoken more about Mm. than who's who's sharing and not sharing that's my that's my thing but yeah it's a it's an interesting time we are living in very interesting time I know who to support and know who who I'm looking at with a side I feel like people who do it naturally like speak up for the causes they're passionate about it shows anyway so you don't need to even oh, get yeah. to that point where you have to like beg them. Sometimes people just don't know, and oh, it's a good thing that people are like I don't know tagging them or telling them, "Hey guys, this is what's happening." 
And then based on that response, you can kind of gauge like, okay, cool. They maybe just weren't aware and now they are. And that's fine too. But sometimes it's just bare force and you're just thinking like, it's actually, there's actually so many more things you can invest your time in doing. Like, like you said, like the fact that the youth are mobilizing so well, maybe invest in that instead and celebrate the people, not celebrate, but like support the people that are actually on the ground doing the work. Sometimes maybe just amplifying their voices. Yeah it's just as effective than waiting on an influencer to speak up about it, to be honest. Exactly. Like the key key activists like that are really out there. Like I've been seeing them on Twitter and it's just like these are the ones that you need to be bigging mm. up, not the but anyway, 